Welcome to the show guys. This is Athlete Maestro and the goal with every single episode of the show is to get you a step closer to achieving your sports goals by breaking your mental and physical limitations as well as coming up with the right strategy and plan to ensure that those goals come true. This episode guys is another select edition where of course I'm bringing you my first interview with the amazing Suhei Gomez. So fast forward guys to episode 383 383 i said fast forward so flashback rather to episode 383 where we had sui gomez on the podcast for the first time at the time she was a sports psychology student you know and she was in the process of learning it was such an amazing episode because you find that most psychologists that you talk to are people who have been years you know in training they've, they've done it for so long you know they're professionals they're working but here was Suhei, who was a student who literally was learning on the job. And as she was learning on the job, she was teaching us some of the things that she was learning as well, as practical as it could get. So more or less like she was closer in level to us than many of the other established stars. It was such a brilliant episode. And it's one of the most successful episodes of the podcast that I had to bring her back on for a second time. And she's the only person who has appeared on the show two times. That's to show you how good the first one was. And of course, on this episode, we talked about literally understanding how to tap into the power of your mind. That was the whole essence of the episode. If you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you know there are three things you have to focus on to achieve your sports goals. The mental aspect, the physical aspect, then of course, what's your strategy and a plan? So more or less like that, business aspect so we talked about how to tap into the power of your mind and of course suhei she shared so many examples on being where your feet are it, it was such a rich episode like i said i had to bring her back on the second time so on this episode guys i'm playing you that first episode which i'm sure many of you have not listened to before why because if you're using a podcast player that loads only 500 episodes this is episode 812 so you might have missed this interview the first time and i do not want you to miss the riches that are in this episode that's why i'm bringing it back for you this episode guys is brought to you by my free email course on how to build your mental toughness how to build your mental toughness head over to athletemaestro.com forward slash mental toughness to get your hands on that free email course you know you want to get introduced to the mental game then of course this is the email course for you athletemaestro.com forward slash mental toughness when you get your hands on it come back to this amazing episode with the amazing suhey gomez welcome to athlete maestro a podcast tailored for athlete development improvement and peak performance and now, here's your host. And, you know, I reached out to her to bring her on the podcast to uh, share her knowledge. You know, she's into sports psychology, which we'll talk more of. She's a certified holistic health coach. Don't worry, don't get confused. She's going to talk about that as well. But it's the sports psychology part uh, that fascinates us. And I wanted to share a uh, knowledge with you guys so that you have a better understanding of this mental aspects of sports. Welcome to the podcast, Sue. Thank you, Tola. I am excited to be here. Uh, when, when, I, when I send you a message and, you know, in all of your emails, you have um, the correct pronunciation of your name. <laughs> 
you know, and I've always been fascinated with language. So I always uh, take the language easily. So before I even saw that, I already knew that 90% out of 100, it's probably Suhe and not the other way around. Do you, do, do you have struggles with people understanding or guessing that? Oh, since I was bored. <laughs> I always tell my mom, I'm like, mom, why'd you put that G in there? It's just I always, yeah, all my friends, people I work with, the people I talk to, my email signature is always pronounced Suhei and it's in parentheses. Yeah, my mom decided she wanted to put a G in there and that's okay, but I always have to always, always correct my name. But beautiful thing about my name now is that it's a definite topic of conversation every time I meet people. <laughs> I don't even get to my last name. I just get, hi, I'm Suhei. What? Where is that from? Tell me more. Does that have a meaning? Wait, say it again. <laughs> so it's it's pretty cool. <laughs> you even have it on your Instagram. So I was like, oh, yes. Yeah, so I do. Definitely, definitely. She's trying to get the message across. Yes. Oh, and you said it correctly. You said my name correctly. So it's working. Yeah. If, they, if there are two languages I want to learn, and I'm, I'm going to ask you to speak Spanish maybe towards the end or something. It's sure. French. It's French and Spanish. You know, so I've always kind of dabbled in it a little bit, trying to get syllables and all of that. You know, so once I saw the name, I was like, nah, this is Suhey. No, like it's not, it's not. It's not the other one. And, you know, I was right. Yes, you are. <laughs> All right. That's great. Um, so, yeah, certified holistic health coach. Uh, before we get into the sports psychology part, how did you, how did you get to start that? How did you get into that? Yeah, I, I would say my previous career <laughs> got mm. me into getting more into the holistic aspect of, of people and helping make an impact and help people heal and coach people. Uh, so I ended up, my previous career was uh, real estate. So I got a master's in real estate development. And I, my dream at that time was to be in the corporate world. I got there. Uh, long story short, I was miserable. <laughs> and I was, what is happening this whole entire time? I'm trying to like get to the top. Let's just say that. And I ended up getting let go from one corporate job. That was devastating. Mm -hmm. um, second time around, I was like, I'm going to try this again. And I just kept hitting a wall. I, I literally kept hitting a wall. I stayed there that second corporate job for six months. And I just, I was like, what is happening? Am I having a crisis? <laughs> no. And uh, so I decided to, you know, I paused a little bit. And I would say that was, uh, that was like my saving grace in a sense where mm -hmm. I was able to, you know, when they say the saying about slowing down to speed up, oh, yeah. that's what oh, happened yeah. for me, where I had to pause. I kind of had that pause without intentionally having that pause. It mm. happened for me. And I'm always big on this, uh, this notion of all things happen for you, never against you. And this way of seeing the world in a different perspective, more as shifting to the positive. And that's what I did then. And so I ended up dabbling into uh, holistic health. In a sense, I met someone, you met someone. I actually hired a life coach, uh, wow. to say the least. I, that Andrea, that's her name, but she changed my life. And she really helped me see certain things. I was like, oh my goodness. And really being able to see things that I had never seen before. It was a really neat experience. From there is where I got into um, getting certified as an integrated health coach. And it was through a school called Integrative uh, Integrated Nutrition, and that is Institute for Integrated Nutrition, mm -hmm. and that was a year online program. And from there, I kid you not, told that catapulted me to basically going back to my roots of undergrad of psychology, wow. um, and being able to go into sports psychology. And here I am at the master's in sports psychology, and then eventually going to move to the Bay this fall to start the PsyD or doctorate courses at mm -hmm. John F. Kennedy University. So that's kind of the small story of how it all happened. Got certified, and I started coaching a little bit and I pause a little bit and I have two clients now, but school is the most important thing right now. That's my full-time work. And that's how I got into it. I realized like, wow, there is so much growth 
and mm-hmm. development and enhancement and just coaching itself. And sports psychology, which eventually you get a master's in sports psychology, you can be you can have a title of mental skills performance or performance coach, and all of that is coaching. Mm-hmm. You're helping others enhance their mind, whether that be whatever endeavor that is. It doesn't necessarily have to be an athlete, but it can be any okay. performer. So that's kind of how I got to getting certified, and that really layered up and really put me at a, I guess, an advantage in my own, I guess, my own world to be able to be where I'm at today. You know, having my website, having all of that, that a lot of times when you come into a graduate program, you don't have that. And I already had that before because it was a certification. So I'm very much grateful for that. Fantastic. Because uh, it it, kind of makes sense now in terms of how the full circle has come around. If I'm ever going to do a master's, uh, there are two things I want to do a master's in. One is sports law and one is sports psychology. So we are in a unique position uh, to, to, to share your, uh, what you're learning, so to speak, as it relates mm-hmm. to sports psychology, because, you know, you're in the process. It's not like, you know, you did yeah. it like 10 years ago and then you've been yes. working with athletes. You know, it's, it's a unique position where it's something that you are currently involved in. So you have that unique perspective of what you used to think it was, what it is now, and what the athletes then begin to see. And thank you, Tola, for acknowledging that because, yes, being a student, I am in the midst of it. And like you said, it's like I was in it 10 years ago, but even then that's great too. But thank you for noticing and acknowledging that. Yes, I'm in the midst of it. I'm in the process. So there is fruit in this conversation. So talk to me about your personal experiences in sports. I mean, it might be before you started sports psychology or after you started, you know, because I'm sure that there would be some uh, interactive sessions you have to be, or I don't know if it's dissertations or something where you actually then have to work with the athletes or you have to be in a sports environment. What personal experiences have you had uh, using sports psychology or in this process of getting your master's in sports psychology? Yeah, so first of all, kind of um, backtrack a little bit. I definitely have been playing sports since I was like four. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did the, did, so sports has been much in my life. So that's where a lot of the connection comes to sports. And a lot of my classmates and my colleagues are very attuned to sports and a competitive um, sport environment. So that's where we're very much inspired and passionate about this um, field. But when it comes to my personal experience, um, my current school has us do internships. So I have been very much privileged of having recently my, my, one of my internships on my own, which was from January to April, this mm-hmm. past January to April, where I worked with varsity softball girls, high school oh, girls. Wow. Uh, that was fascinating. I would say, as my supervisor said to me, because we have our supervisors that supervise us throughout our whole entire internship, she mm-hmm. said, you have found the sweet spot. You have found what your life's work is. Meaning, I realized being in it, that I was like, why does this seem easy? And not easy in a sense of, oh, this is easy peasy, stroll in the park, meaning my character strengths were being a match in this environment. Um, And that was fascinating for me. So I basically worked with them for 15 weeks. And I, the the experience that I got from that, I did one-on-one sessions with them half an hour. I basically saw the 15 girls twice throughout that term. And then I also did team sessions or team, yeah, team sessions every Monday. So right before practice, we had a half an hour to 40 minutes with them. Mm-hmm. Very grateful for the coaches. They were very, very much bought in as well as, as well as athletic director, allowing me to do my thing with the girls. And that is, I worked with them with, you know, the team sessions developed as a season went on. Oh. I had to kind of assess, build rapport work my supervisor, what are we doing here? What's working? What do we need for them? What can we bring to the table? Because as we know, there's not one size fits all. Every individual, every team is very different, which is the beauty of us 
human beings. Mm -hmm. And my one-on-one sessions were very much uh, tailored to them. And that's something when my own philosophy of style of coaching is really allowing them. I have obviously like I educate them. I can give Mm -hmm. them the tools, but really allowing them to be creative in that space in between to be able to um, come with their own answers and me plug Mm -hmm in like those nuggets okay great now let's expand on that so that was like in essence my experience again 15 weeks with them varsity softball girls uh they were uh they were from 14 to 18 uh mostly demographic was um hispanic you had a probably four that were uh, caucasian Mm. and I think that was it so mostly a hispanic community and I also would say I'll add that that the ability that I'm part it's, it's my high school that I went to. So I was already part of the community. Before, so I would say yeah. that was the beauty of, uh, I guess, when you are in, already within that culture, it does help build that rapport automatically as opposed to me coming into a culture or a demographic or a space that I'm completely not from. So that was, I guess, uh, a positive on my side because I was able to really relate to the girls given that I had been in that school. I had played sports too. I had been the stats girl yeah. myself, you know, in high school for softball, never played softball that didn't work out but that is to answer your question my personal experience kind of just in a nutshell let's say with the softball team uh, quickly i want to get some insight what in, yeah. in, in interacting with the girls and you know interacting with the team as well what's the number one uh, should i say struggle uh, that they had in in some of those one-on-one sessions what, what what were you able to see as okay this is i believe one of the things that they struggled with more or was it more or less like each athlete had their specific struggles that they had as it related to sports you know and if you can share any of those stories with us yeah so i will just kind of keep it broad because obviously like confidentiality wise i can't oh, be specific <laughs> but let's uh in overall it's i love this question this is so good because one thing that we and i'll, I'll connect to your question one thing that we're talking mm-hmm. sports like is controlling the controllables mm. uh what does that mean that means controlling what you can yeah. in other words controlling what stuff within yourself whether that be your own goals whether that be your own confidence your own self-talk whether that be your motivation whether that's inner motivation i mean intrinsic or external meaning mm-hmm. inner or outside motivation imagery focus or concentration and so forth so a lot of the girls uh, again, going back to this concept or idea of controlling the controllables, they were fascinated with this when I brought this up to them because a lot of them struggled with becoming frustrated during games or out in the fields and things that they didn't have control over. Wow. However, they didn't know that this was outside of them. And what I mean by didn't know, there's this big thing that we get taught as well is self-awareness. Mm. It is through first self-awareness that then you're able to enhance, modify, and change. Without being aware that something maybe Konko is off or you want to change, you're unable to change it because you don't know that it's there. So with the girls, going back to controlling what you can control or controlling the controllables, a lot of times during games, they would be, for example, very upset of the umpire because they were calling these certain shots or they were saying, I'm out, I got a strike. But wait, no, I didn't. That was a horrible call so forth and so on and so on. And it was so interesting for me being the observer because part of as an intern, you have to have uh, hours to observe and see what you're seeing to make connections. And every time I was the dugout, I could see how some of the girls were so frustrated at things that were outside of them. So one thing, the theme that came up so much is teaching them as best as I could in the small time I had with them to be able to control stuff within themselves. What can you control? What the umpire calls, you have no control over. Mm -hmm. If they call this, they call that, that is what they're doing. You 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 can't control them, but you can in that moment control what you can control, whether that be a breathing technique, 
relaxing, maybe regulating your energy or your arousal or your anxiety or your nervousness when you're about to bat. So to answer your question, that was one thing that was so fascinating that a lot of them took away uh, after I left. They really resonated with knowing like, right, I have control over things within myself to be able to enhance my game and my mental toughness. Heck yeah. So I would say that was one thing that really stood out uh, with something that they struggled with and they came out winning or they came out learning from. You know, and just to add to what you just said, you know, and it's a massive point. Uh, when I was, I was in the process of creating a free email course for, you know, the athletes that I work with, all tailored towards, you know, that mental aspect of the game. And I mm-hmm. keep not the first thing that I have in that first email is controlling what you can control. Because one of the things that I've seen, especially with the African athletes is, you know, they're always concerned about everything under the sun. You know, and I'm like, the minute yeah. you do that, yeah, you're taking yourself out of what you should be doing. You know, the things that are within your control. So you're worrying about Mm -hmm. X, you're worrying about Y, you're worrying about A, you're worrying about B. You know, then when it comes to what you should actually be doing, it's a massive problem for you because you spend all of your energy on things that actually, if you look at it, really, it actually doesn't matter. Yeah. And it's, it's that question. Okay. So how do we get them to focus more on what they can control? The answer to that, I would say as best of my ability to answer is more practice, <laughs> just like all things, right? Yeah. Really having those daily practices and practicing those mental skills or whatever you're working on to build that consistency. Without that, there's no consistency. You also mentioned self-awareness. Why, why, do you yeah. think, why do you think it's difficult for athletes to be more self-aware? Because one of the things that I also talk about, you know, in every episode of the podcast that comes out, you know, I always find a way to infuse it in that, you know, you, you have to know where you're at. You have to know what mm-hmm. is going on, you know, your surroundings, how you're mm-hmm. feeling, what your physical state is. Why is it difficult for athletes uh, to understand that that is one of the first steps that they have to do? So before you start worrying about uh, maybe 10 steps down the line, it starts with where you are. So if you're not aware, you might be taking the wrong step because you don't know what exactly is going on. Mm -hmm. So I would say why athletes or just anyone really, any performer has difficulty with awareness is we don't get taught to be self-aware. We don't get told, hey, I'm in grade school, I'm four years old. Hey, you should be self-aware of this. Like we don't, we, we don't get taught. I feel like at least for my side of the world or yeah, out here uh, in the States, like in my own experience, I don't never got taught to be self-aware or be attuned to my feelings or thoughts or behaviors. What? Mm. No. Like you're so much more out. We're so much in my experience, so much more focused on the outside things instead of our inner world. And even going back a little bit back to my experience that I mentioned just earlier is my own experience in career. Because I was not self-aware, uh, I was very much on autopilot. I fell astray. I hit a wall. And it was until I, I was, in essence, forced to slow down and speed up that I became self-aware of what was going on in my inner world. I don't know if you follow me. Oh, oh yeah, of course I did. Okay. Yeah, so I would say that's the, the, just to answer your question, I think number one is just keep it simple uh, to the point is we're not taught to be self-aware. We're not taught to build that muscle. So how can an athlete be more self-aware? So, you know, someone is listening to us discussing now and yeah. listening to us talking and like, okay, you know, I think I need to slow down. I need to be more self-aware. Mm-hmm. Then he's like confused. Like, okay, how do I do that? What do I do? <laughs> yes. I would say one thing, uh, which I say this first one, because I think a lot of people can relate to it and resonate with it is journaling. Mm. Uh, journaling from, because again, it's very easy to understand and just, just the word journaling. Oh yeah, it's very mainstream. Uh, from even putting your doing journaling, putting your thoughts or your your thoughts of what you're thinking in that moment. Let's say, for example, an athlete. We're at practice, and an athlete's just practicing 
jump shots for basketball or a free throw. Uh, and you know, you have, like, I know I played basketball and there's times when you have your free time to do your own thing and you have a journal and the, and the bleachers and you're doing your thing in your own world. And you, if you're in it on all things, it takes practice and delicate, uh, delicate attention to, Mm -hmm. and this is a work, but this is a beauty. So you have your journal with you and you're intentional about this. So you're doing your shots and you realize right after you finish your shot, like, okay, I'm going to journal, journal, what is going on in my head in that moment? Yes, it may sound a little tedious, but then again, it is part of the process. So maybe journaling those thoughts that are coming up, just simply to knowing in those moments, an exact moment and that here and now, what you're thinking after that shot, mm-hmm. it's going to really give you a, like a compass of where your even your confidence is at yeah. or where your inner dialogue or in sports psychology, your self-talk is located. What is What are you saying? Maybe I took that shot like, Ooh, that was off. I should have followed through more perfectly. That's an inner thought inside. And that, in a sense, that thought, you're building self-awareness right there in that little thought. You can see, Ooh, I'm a little off. Maybe I got to work on my mechanics or my motor skills, or I may be lacking some confidence right now. Right. So then you, those, that can really just blossom through so much And that book or that journal can be brought to the sessions with your coach, your mental skills coach, or your performance coach, or your sports psychologist. And from there, Pandora's box <laughs> opens up. It's more, it's more or less like a prophet because I've been dabbling on this for, I think maybe about two years now, like creating a journal for athletes, you know, but I've like been putting it off been putting it off been putting it off, you know, so now that you're here on the podcast, I have mentioned journaling again, you know, maybe like the spirits are speaking to me like in different <laughs> that this is something yes. we do. <laughs> There's signs everywhere, Tola. If we look and we see, the signs are there. <laughs> oh, yeah, fantastic. And uh, talking about self-awareness, does the same thing, ap- uh, does the same thing apply to reflection? So uh, you've talked about, you know, being self-aware. Okay, this is where I am now. These are the things I want to do or this is my thought process in this moment. Does the same thing apply to reflection where, of course, you know, after the training or after an event or after whatever has happened, mm-hmm. uh, you kind of like look back and like, okay, this mm-hmm. is what I was thinking in the process or this where my thought process is. Mm-hmm. How does reflection apply to self-awareness as well? Oh, this is beautiful. But before I get to that, I will add one thing about um, self-awareness and journaling. I I mentioned, and I connect everything. uh, I mentioned that that there's not one size fits all. So meaning journaling is one thing, but you can also, there's also other modes. And it's very important to bring this to like the awareness of the athlete or the performer or any individual that this is just one tool I'm sharing with you. It doesn't mean this is the only way it can be their iPhone or their phone and doing a, a voice memo to write, to think of those thoughts and actually basically capture those thoughts to bring to awareness. So there's other ways of doing that. Hmm. Um, but I just wanted to kind of give that side note that that's just not just one way, one mode, but there is other ways and through the work with your coach or whoever you're working with, you can work to develop that unique way of doing things for you when it comes to building that self-awareness. But I wanted to add that. Oh, but yeah. going back to <laughs> going back to reflection and how that works or connects to self-awareness. Well, good thing that I'm learning this. No, um, good thing is that one thing that also we get taught in our program is reflective practice. And yeah. what that is, is reflecting on your practice. In essence, um, I did this weekly 
during my internship. And this could be a perfect way for, you know, your, your audiences that are listening to start doing it for themselves is every week after I had my end of the week with my internship, Mm. my supervisor had me do reflective practice. And what that looked like this time, it wasn't journaling. She, we, we decided to do, this is where we modify. This goes back to what I just said. We modified my reflective practice to basically tailor to me. We decided to do voice memos. I, I would record myself in my reflective practice, but Mm. there was three things that I focused on. You know, yes, you can do reflective practice and just kind of just go freely. But I would say sometimes being a little bit more structured helps, especially at the, at the onset or the beginning of really practicing this reflective practice that allows you to become more self-aware of what to do. You can modify that, you can enhance, and you can make changes to enhance your game. So once you say, okay, what went well? That was my number one question. What went well? I'd say, okay, what went well? A, B, and C. Two, what was a challenge? Oh. That can be many challenges or a challenge. What challenged me this week was A, B, and C. And then lastly, what's next or next steps. So that was a way that really was simple, straight to the point. And as you can tell, I still remember it. Mm-hmm. It's still in my mind space. Yeah. So it was very simple. In, the, in that space, I'm reflecting back on the week. I'm reflecting on what went well during the week, whether it be a one-on-one session, a team session, what was challenging, what didn't go well. Uh, I, maybe the team session ran too long. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe some conflicts with coaches. Okay, now what's next? And that can be when what's next from the first two questions or whatever comes up in that space. The ability to be reflective in the flow and looking at next steps. Maybe next steps be, okay, next time I'm going to maybe prepare more for my timing of my team sessions. So instead of it being 35 minutes, it's 30 minutes. That's my next step. Another next step may be, okay, now I know, let's call her Rebecca. Now I know Rebecca and she likes to likes the flow of sessions this way. I'm going to tailor that to that way for her to really be tailored to her. So those are next steps. So that is me reflecting back on the week. And that is the reflective practice that I did with my internship. And that to go a little deeper into your to your question is through that reflective practice. And again, I know it may sound tedious I, I that, okay, I have to reflect and look back seriously. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's actually work in it. And it's beautiful. It's the process being in the midst of the work um, is looking at that reflective week or day you're able to become self-aware of things or your narrative or your story or where you may be lacking or not lacking or where or ways that you can modify, change, and enhance and be the best version of yourself in, as a person or in the game. Oh, wow. Like it's, it's, it's so profound what you just said because, you know, I think I might come to JFK as well. One of the practices, <laughs> one of the practices that I run my athletes through, you know, when, when I'm working with them is I always say this. I always say that one of the biggest mistakes that they make is that they finish training on a particular day Everybody packs their bags and they're going home. So uh, they're going to watch a particular series or maybe they're just tired. They're going to rest. I'm like, you're getting it wrong. Obviously, I didn't call it reflection, but what I, I, I always walk them through a process where they ask themselves what went well. The next thing I did was why did that thing go well? Then what went wrong? Then why did that thing go wrong? Then what do I want to work on on the next train? So I always run them through five questions. Now, obviously, I didn't even know that it had any roots in like reflection because it was always important for me to pass the message across that training doesn't just finish and then you go, then you expect to come the next day and you expect to be better. When you haven't looked at uh, what worked, what didn't work, okay, why was that training that way and all of that? So it's kind of like the same thing you're saying with reflection. Am I correct? Right. Yeah, it is the same thing. Without Another thing to that point you just said, I didn't know 
that that was it. In other words, a lot of times, all these like things with sport psych, specifically mental skills, a lot of folks or formers do be able to pinpoint it that you're able to really enhance it and really take advantage of it. But yes, to answer your question, I would say yes, that's basically reflective practice. And you can also, there's so there's a number of research, you know, science-based research when it comes to reflective practice, where you can kind of dig deeper into uh, the more the details of reflective practice and how that works. Mm. Now, obviously, I know, I know it's not as easy as we're painting it because it's like, you know, I just like having a discussion and all of that. But why do you think, why do you think it's difficult for athletes right. to, uh, to, to get this mental side of sports you know it's it's easy to see the physical you know like people kick things they throw things mm-hmm. you get their physical with their sports but when it comes to this mental aspect because it's something that they can't see uh, maybe that makes it difficult mm-hmm. but you know in in your study in working with athletes uh, a little bit here and there and you know things that you've gone through why is mm-hmm. it difficult to, to to get that mental aspect i think just a lot of young athletes have not learned the psychological skills need to develop their best game. They're, it's not maybe not so popular or so known mm. about the mental game, but when they, it's, you don't know what you don't know, yeah. <laughs> therefore, I just don't know. <laughs> so it's until they're, it comes to their awareness or they're taught or they hear something or, or they see something or they research some, something that they start learning about the mental game. I would say back to, I know it sounds simple to say, but we're not, taught to look at our mental game or the psychological skills needed to develop your best game in any performance. Um, so that I would say to kind of, that's where just from my experience, I think that's what is that lack of awareness of knowing that the mental game exists. Mm-hmm. And also which makes psychology very, and just in general, kind of big macro makes it difficult that when it comes to psychology, like say you see a therapist, for example, it's so much harder. Some people say it's so much harder to work through that because when you go to an MD or a doctor, mm-hmm. it's something that's physical. You can see it. Oh, there's yeah. something wrong, right? I can fix it. I can point it, right? Our eyes are working like reality. We see it. How am I going to know something's wrong when I can't see it? So that also builds to your question that because it can be seen for some people, it's mind boggling. Like what? The mental game? Ugh, mm-hmm. come on. There's this. I don't got to work with that. No, <laughs> just, just give it a chance. Give it a chance. If you can discipline your mind for the better and know how to have it work for you, you can do great things. Well, yeah. One of the things, all the things that you mentioned when you're talking about uh, self-awareness and reflection was self-talk. And I, I didn't want to forget that. So I just want to pull you back to that quickly. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I also mentioned, yeah. you know, in discussing with athletes and, you know, advising is that, you know, you, you have to practice positive self-talk. The mind is designed to be negative, to protect you. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why you're attracted to bad news, you know? So if you see something good, you're yeah. not necessarily going to look at it as a second time, but if it's something negative, you know, then like you want to probe, you, you, you want to find out more about it. So that's how the mind is. So if you practice positive self-talk, it actually gets you in a better frame of mind. But one of the objections that I get is, you know, like, so you want me to talk to myself, like, am I, am I crazy or something? I would say that's a lack of knowledge of self-talk and that's okay. We all, all start somewhere. No, but that's very true. I, I hear that too a lot. We're like, oh, I have all these thoughts in my head. It's like, I'm talking to myself or you think I'm crazy? Like, how am I split? Uh, yes, you're crazy for a little bit. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but um, I would, first I want to say self-talk uh, is defining like what is self-talk. Mm. Um, and I would say that it's that it's that inner dialogue in our in our mind that we have about ourselves and others. Mm. Uh, for example, like right now for me right here, I'm talking to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, am I doing a good job? Are we okay? Are we having a good conversation? Like those are things I'm telling my head right now. I'm activating my mind to say that. I was giving myself examples. Yeah. That's my inner dialogue. You didn't hear that. Well, I'm telling you because I'm sharing this with you, but mm-hmm. those are your inner story or your inner dialogue. Another example for an athlete, maybe 
let's say that the positive self-talk, the inner dialogue of what's going on in their mind. Mm. Oh, I'm doing such a great job. Ooh, I killed it. Those are little things that talks or in the inner dialogue that we say in our head mm. that aren't verbally said. You know, when you're out on the game, I mean, yeah, you could say it out loud. Some people do, but I'm just talking when it comes to this. It's yeah. that inner dialogue we have in our head. And also the negative, right? Which we just said that we're very prone to look at. Mm. And we definitely have much of a negative ball of energy sometimes in our head that that becomes so much louder, such as I suck. I'm not good for this game. Mm. I'm struggling. I'm ashamed. I'm hurting. Why am I here? Those are all things that we say that a lot of us say in our head that then affects how we play out on the field. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I, I totally agree with that. You know, and um, quickly, I was, we're talking about mental toughness and confidence, then, you know, kind yeah. of spiral to uh, positive self talk. But if, if positive self talk is the physical aspect, you know, so where you're actually talking to yourself, would you say that visualization is the mental aspect? So uh, where you kind of like have to see positive things in your mind, or what role does visualization play for athletes? Because at least I'm sure that, you know, on this side of the pond, it's, it's more difficult for athletes to grab, you know. And to yeah. understand that, look, you have to practice visualization. It's a key aspect mm-hmm. of, you know, sports performance, you know, in you seeing yourself perform the way that you want, as opposed to having a blank mind and expecting to deliver on demand. So I think I would say something that's imagery, I guess, in sports. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, imagery. Terms it's called imagery. And that, no, it's, it's a visualization too, though. I, it's, it's totally okay. Um, but I would say one thing about imagery is that we have to, as coaches, be careful to, to know that hey, does this athlete or individual or performer is able to imagine images? Because that's the number one thing before actually starting to teach imagery or visualization. Because some may not be able to visualize or some may not be able to have control images or vivid images of themselves performing out on the field, for example. So that would be probably the number one before jumping right into visualizing and promoting that. Like there's, I don't know if you ever heard of like the lemon script. No, never heard uh, of it. Talk to me about it. Okay, so yeah, so it's, Saying the point of this is, uh, you know, first identifying if the athlete or individual performer can actually visualize or have images, um, create images in their mind to be able to utilize this technique because it is a mental skills technique that is practice. Mm. But meaning one way to figure out like, okay, can this student, athlete, performer use imagery is there's this lemon script that it's basically a script that has you close your eyes, run through, being able to see like yourself, like it's a whole script that has you go through tasting a lemon as you know, the lemon is juicy and Mm. all of that. So it literally tells you, imagine yourself closing your eyes and walking towards, uh, towards the kitchen, seeing yourself go pick up a knife and then go into get the, the, the lemon and then slicing it in half and opening it up, seeing the colors. So basically it's connecting all the five senses and then being able to touch it and feel it and taste it. And usually if they're able to really see that, you know, the image that through the lemon script, yeah. uh, then you're able to see, Oh, right. They actually, maybe their mouth salivated or they were able to see the, all the senses really got activated. And that's what's like a cue for us as a coach, as a mental skills coach or sports psychologist or what have you to be like, okay, we can work through imagery. Because that's really important to be able to know if they are able to do that because it can wow. be difficult for some. Do you follow me? Yeah, well, yeah, I did. I did. I, I mean, I never looked at it in that aspect. You know, I would have thought that, you know, all athletes should be able to visualize. But, you know, from what you've said now, 
uh, there's a tactical approach to it, you know, and there's certain steps that you should take them through to know what works for them or what mm-hmm. doesn't work for them. Am I correct? Yes. That's a really good one. You know, so I think that, you know, that's, that's uh, one thing that athletes can also know, you know, so that when a particular coach is trying to shove something down your throat and it's not working for you, maybe it's not that that thing is bad. Maybe it's that, you know, that's not what works for you at that point in time. So maybe you need to try a different approach. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And you can, and athletes like the ones that are listening now can even, you know, Google, do a search and do like lemon script. And you can see a script, like a general script of mm-hmm. like walking you through that. And cause that's what it is. You're, you're usually imagery, you're closing your eyes and you're visualizing yourself doing the performance before you, for example, before you perform. And I would add that in when I was in, uh, when I played basketball, like mm-hmm. um, in high school, I don't think my coach, coach Pena didn't know that he was doing this but he'd always have us uh visualize before the game and he'd have us all sit in the yeah sit at the bleachers you know all collectively sit together and he'd have us close our eyes and he would run us through a script or just talk to us in essence saying hey no close your eyes we're about to be in this game i want you to see yourself in the field right now Mm. out there doing that jump shot doing that pass doing and so forth and so on and build basically was building our confidence building our awareness of like oh we got this and really like hyping us up and that is part of the mental game like you're seeing yourself beforehand and there is lots of support on when you imagine yourself or you visualize you're more likely to really perform at your best like even with this conversation we're having uh i can easily i didn't do this but i very much do this often when i'm about to perform because even me speaking to you that's part of performing even you speaking to me is part of performing so before like i've had other interviews where i'm like okay i sit close my eyes and I visualize myself in the process as best as I can. I know I can visualize and see I've done that. It's something that I, I really attune to. So that helps me to come here, for example, and be more confident and be more relaxed and be more in the flow and be in that per se peak performance of really being able to share the knowledge, the insight, the love and the care and compassion for the field. Oh yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So let, let's just say, for example, now there, there's an athlete that's listening to us, you know, and you know, being focusing mainly on the physical aspect. So uh, didn't do anything mental, didn't think anything mental was important. Uh, kind of shoved it to the side, never really focused mm-hmm. on it, you know. And they're thinking, when is the best time, or when is the right time to start focusing on the mental game? Because you know, there's some people that they will say, you know, I mean, my child is just 13, my child is just 14. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get yeah. them into that mental crap. Or uh, they're gonna say you know i'm 25 i'm 26 i'm 27 you know that mental game thing has kind of passed me is there is there a right time to start focusing on the mental aspects of sports so i'll say two things one thing is i don't have like any research base to say uh like yes or no but i I will kind of uh gravitate towards my knowledge and my best answer to that and i would say it depends and i say it depends because this is one thing we actually joke around about this in our in our in our program about uh like everything depends in sports psychology meaning because it's you're working with people right mm-hmm. everyone again back to the the connection of not one size fits all we're all individual which makes us beautiful as humans so i would definitely say that i'm going to give you that answer of it depends uh with the individual i think it's it's up to maybe the parents or the coaches to if they're young and you're possibly getting that inkling like oh maybe i can connect a little bit of mental skills or sports psychology or mental game for this maybe Mm -hmm. your daughter for example and but start 
making that connection right, asking them questions and seeing where they're at mentally or where their physiological is to be able to say, maybe I can bring more to them. And I do have professors that work with young athletes. So with that, I would say, I think it, it's very much possible uh, to start young, but I don't have enough knowledge or specific like expertise to say yes but the best thing i could say is it depends on the individual on the on the individual yeah i mean i totally agree because you know every every athlete is going to be at a different stage of development you know so uh, while mm-hmm. somebody is you know on level 10 you know you have others that are level 5 and one of the things that you would always hear is don't compare yourself to somebody else's chapter mm-hmm. 20 you know i think that thing right. social media for so long so i think it, it kind of adds to what you're saying in the sense that you know depending on what your life like the kind of athlete that you are, the stage that you are, you know, mm-hmm. then you can figure out what works for you in that setting. So is it the mental game that you then need to take up? Is it not? And all of that. So I, I totally get it. But do you think in your estimation, I might be wrong, but do you think that it's possible for, for any athlete to do without the mental game, you know, and still succeed in sports? I think at some point, uh, at some level, yes, it's okay. You obviously have to have talent, mm. but as, as we can, as we know, I mean, I think just generally speaking, at some point you have to, you'll need to rely on your mental game to get Mm. to the next level. You look at these elite athletes. Yes, they're physically attuned and they got this and they're, they're well established in their physical abilities, but what, makes them stand out is what are they doing? What is their, maybe their thinking habits? What are mm. they leaning onto that is enhancing them? It could be very likely that they have mental skills or working with someone to be able to enhance their mental game. Because just like physical is very important, so is mental training. Mm. Without it, you're going to kind of sit at a standpoint or sit stagnant. It is that mental part that will help you get to that next edge or that next level. And you hear a lot of these, you know, elite athletes talk about it, um, you know, going into their sports psychologists or really working on their mental game to be mm-hmm. able to get that edge for the edge for them, uh, not necessarily for to compete, you know, for somebody else. Because a lot of times when people start comparing themselves, like, yeah. ah, but I'm talking about them and themselves, their own performance. So I would say the mental game is very important or that mental edge or that mental toughness in order to get to the next level. At one point, you will need to lean to lean onto it or rely on it. I definitely agree because one of the things that I say is that, look, it's, it's going to get to a stage, you know, except mm-hmm. uh, you don't want to compete. It's going to get to a stage where everyone is almost physically apart, you know, so they're as fit as you, they're as strong as you, they're as tall as you, they're as big as you, you know, so the thing that would then separate you would be your training and that mental aspect. So the things mm-hmm. that are going through your mind, are you able to handle the pressure, you know, anxiety when it comes up? How are you able to deal with it? You know, so I, I completely get that. But I'm guessing that there's an athlete who is listening to us talk now and they're thinking, you know, maybe I've been getting this mental thing wrong uh, for so long. Is it possible to get the mental game wrong? Is it possible uh, for an athlete to have been taking the wrong approach uh, to this mental stuff for so long where they feel I, I can't come back? Like it's, it's literally done. I would say it would be like how to sit down and talk to this athlete, but in all, I would say the good thing about the mental training and the mental game, it can be learned and it Mm. can be um, taught. So say they do go the wrong way, whatever that is for them, um, it can be learned. So that's the beauty of it, that it's not like you have it or you don't, or I've been doing it and I'm doing it wrong and I'm 
I'm done or I'm stuck or it's over. No, it can, it's like, you can make that U-turn, you know, you can learn, it can be learned and taught. Um, so that's like, that's what I would say that it can definitely be learned and taught. It's not, I have it or I don't have it, or I've done it the wrong way this whole time. And it could be that maybe they thought they had the mental game going, or they were having these mental skills. And it could be that they were already doing these mental skills, but there's also, they can always enhance it a little bit more. Cause I said earlier, a lot of us already do this intuitively. Like mm-hmm. a lot of us do this instinctively, like from that self-talk that we talked about that inner dialogue in our head about ourselves or others. How many times I'm sure I would say even you Tola or myself, I know I've done it before. I'm like in my head, Oh my gosh, this is horrible. Yeah. Or I am so, I so got this. I so got this. I so got this. I'm practicing without really knowing that that at that time in high school, trying mm-hmm. to help myself build, build myself up. So I would say it's intuitively that it's likely that a lot of these athletes, you know, athletes are doing these mental skills without necessarily knowing, but it's through connecting with the right people, with coaches or sports psychologists or reading books that you are able to start going to that right path and really be able to utilize it, maximize those mental skills to the best of your ability to help you enhance your mind, your performance, and hopefully get more peak performances in your athletic career. Uh, makes complete sense. And one of the things that we glossed over, which is the last thing that I wanted you to talk about. So yeah. I don't take your entire Saturday and because I know it's Saturday afternoon for you, it's Saturday night for me, you know, so I'm sure you probably have some events. I won't say their parties, but probably have some events. To get to. <laughs> I have homework. So oh. yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> no parties. <laughs> Good homework was, was mental yes. toughness. We kind of glossed over it. Now it's, it's one of the com- most confusing terms for athletes, you know, and I'm going to speak from my experience as well, you know, back in the day before I got injured, you know, when people talk about mental toughness, it's, it's more or less like this voodoo thing, like something that is abstract, something that is in the air. So if I was an athlete and I wanted to understand this, like, you know, what exactly is mental toughness? Now, of course, there are a million definitions for what mental right. toughness is, but in your own definition, what would you say mental toughness is? I probably say like that unshakable belief of that ability to achieve that competitive goal that you're looking to strive for. Mm. Like that toughness in your mind that my mind is mentally tough to go through this battle or this challenge. I'm that muscle that I am continuously trying to strive and enhance through daily practices to be able to be mentally tough. What comes at me, got it. I receive it, but I'm able to reframe. I'm re- I'm able to use mental and mental skills like stoppage and reframing and just looking at different shifts in how a certain activity or some, something that's happening for me, mm. really being able to utilize it for the benefit of me. And that what I would say is just that unshakable belief in my ability. Is there a difference between mental toughness and confidence? Because I kind of feel like they're intertwined, but they mm-hmm. don't necessarily, they don't necessarily mean the same thing. I might be wrong. I don't know. Yeah. So uh, confidence is, uh, it's similar. It's definitely similar. It's that belief that you can successfully perform a desired behavior. Uh, So it does have through your confidence, you're able to increase that mental toughness. Most likely it's kind of connected in that sense. Uh, But self-confidence is like a desired behavior or it's that high expectancy of success or the, the certainty that an individual possesses about their ability to be successful in sport. And then mental toughness, like for my definition, that unshakable ability to achieve. Or another, another definition of mental toughness is like the all-encompassing term that refers to like an attitude or a psyche development by practicing variety mental skills. And those are goal setting, confidence and self-talk, motivation, breathing and relaxation, and so forth. 
I totally want to let you go, but I mean, you're, you're mentioning things that I have to ask questions about again. Now you mentioned goal. <laughs> you mentioned goal setting. How important is goal setting for artists? Because I kind of feel like, at least for me, one of the things that, you know, I focus on first, if I'm going to advise, yes. if I'm going to say anything is, you know, what are your goals? And I feel like so many young athletes get this wrong because they don't know how to set goals, number one. So they set the wrong goals, you know, and from experience, what I've learned is if you set the wrong goals, you know, it can derail everything you're working on because maybe you set something that was uh, too high. So because you didn't reach it, you know, it kind of like affects your entire training because you're upset, you're angry. Whereas you didn't know that, look, that was not a goal that you should have set at that point in time. How important is goal setting for young athletes? I think uh, it depends on how the per- what the person is looking to do. But mm. overall, in general, I would say goal setting, it can be very much beneficial and important. It's that process of defining clear objectives. Yeah. So when we have goals and we're able to attain them, we're more likely to want to do it again and increase in confidence in that we can do this. My past experience, I've set a goal. I've accomplished it. So I'm setting, that is helping me feel more confident in my play in the person that I am and so forth. It, it helps to kind of give you that push of what you're looking at. And again, bringing self-awareness in areas that you want to enhance. And I would say a lot of folks don't set goals, but I say with athletes, it would be pretty important to set goals. And there's all number of, there's number of different goals that like from outcome goals, to performance goals, to process goals that basically touch on developing like a strategy or a plan yeah. to to set goals, even from smart goals. I'm sure maybe you've heard of that. It kind of goes into deeper into the exact goals that you're looking to do from like the time yeah. of it, uh, like how many times or, you know, just giving examples. It's a lot more thorough. So mm-hmm. I would say just overall that goal setting is important because um, it is it's setting those objectives to be able to get to the next level or the next step that you're looking to do. Oh, I feel like you touched on it perfectly. The final two questions, uh, Suhir, I want to ask you uh, is, I named the podcast Athlete Maestro. Maestro being that master your craft, master what you're doing, master what you're uh, involved in, so to speak. What in your definition does it mean to be a master of your craft? So now this would apply to athletes. Uh, I would say it, it means becoming aware of who you are overall, being solid and confident of who you are in order to to then perform whatever you want to perform or how you want to live or if you want to be live your best life you need to know who you are to master who you are as a person before anything else can really start to unfold oh, i've never had the answer before so i think i think that makes a lot of sense you know so i'm coming to you now final one i'm coming to you now as an athlete you know i don't know what i'm doing you know and i say suhey what's one thing that i can do today to get me a step closer to achieving my goals. Whatever goals I've set for myself in sports, you know, I come to you, please advise me. What's one thing that I can do today? If you could only give me one advice that I can do today that gets me a step closer to my goals. So I'm going to be, I'm going to call it quote unquote stereotypical where people are like, oh, such a psychologist or a future psychologist and like come back at you with a question. I'm so going to do that, but that's intuitively in my heart what came up. So I'm going to say it and then I'll add more. So I would say, well, what do you think is the one thing you can do to enhance your, your space of performance? And then from that possible. So my goal as a, my, like my philosophy or my style is really helping empower the individual to, to tap into their inner wisdom or the inner, uh, yeah, their inner wisdom or their inner thoughts to be able to enhance, to give them that empowerment. Like, yeah, I have given the chance. I have all the answers within myself. Mm. It's just part of that talking and bring it out into the space of that table to be able to start making connections. So answer your question. I would ask them like, what do you think? 
could be. And, but another thing I would say is start to build that self-awareness. Mm. Uh, things that we talked about would be from, you know, journaling to voice memos to uh, reflective practice, because those are all within yourself. And those are things that you are kind of looking inside your inner world to see what is there from what is there, then things can start to become to change and modify and enhance, like I've mentioned before. So to answer your question more specifically, I would say to build that self-awareness, start to dabbling into journaling, possibly or whatever works in that space, or that reflective practice, like those three things, being able to start looking at those start from there. Hmm. Your answer makes complete sense in terms of, you know, turning it back on the athlete, having them do some thinking in terms of what they can do, what do they think they can do? And then the answers flow from there because we kind of like get into this habit of unloading on people and expecting them to give us all the answers that we need. Uh, so mm-hmm. maybe we have somebody to blame. Uh, maybe we have somebody to say, you know, okay, that person was the one that advised me this way. But in terms of turning it back on the athlete, then they have to think themselves and be like, oh, okay, okay. Uh, what exactly do I think I can do? And then obviously the conversation flows from there. So, you know, I think that makes uh, complete sense. And of course, it would apply to everyone, you know, that is listening to us right now. Thank you so much for coming on, Suhey. And, you know, I was saying that one of the things that we share in common is our love for books, you know, because acquiring knowledge is great and you know just giving back getting in the knowledge and giving back you can't pour from an empty cup as people would say you know so the more you're able to fill your cup uh, the better you can be of help to people and just uh, bless people with everything that you have to give you know so so i think that at least as far as that goes you know we, we kind of have that in common Absolutely. Yeah. Well said. So thank you for coming on. Um, If I took your time, I'm so sorry. (laughs) It's all good. No, this is great. This is great. It's my pleasure. Oh, thank you so much. So um, obviously I look to connect in the future as well. Stay connected, you know, and just um, keep the conversations going. And uh, where can we find you if we want to hear more about you? I know we can follow you on Instagram and where's your website as well, because I know you're adding psychology and all of that to your website. Also, Where, where, where can we get connected with you? So my website is www.suheyhealth.com. So my name, S-U-G-E-Y, health, H-E-A-L-T-H.com. And I'm pretty active on Instagram, which is at suheyhealth. And in there, you can find me being quite active. And there you have it, guys. So the first interview with Suhey Gomez. If you go back, if you can have access to the full episode the first time man you would have seen you know my reaction after the episode and you can see that i'm just as excited as you're finished listening to it how to tap into the power of your mind as a young athlete trust me guys if you conquer the mental game that physical game ah, oh, it's only a matter of time before you begin to see everything come together for you and you becoming the athlete that you were meant to be so maybe in a future episode i will play part two but you can go and listen to part two yourself just go in there type in sue gomez and of course you get access to that episode if you haven't subscribed to the podcast guys so you don't miss amazing episodes like this so you don't wait hopefully Tola will bring a select edition where I get to hear, you know, something from the past. No, subscribe now so that you don't miss all these great episodes. And of course, as you subscribe, head over to leave us a rating and review. Are you learning anything from the podcast? Is it benefiting you in any way whatsoever? Leave a rating and review. That's how we know that the work we're doing is impactful. Athletemaestro.com forward slash subscribe. Athletemaestro.com forward slash subscribe of course when you do that 
also share the podcast with your competitors your friends share it on your social media handles and of course uh, instagram facebook twitter whichever one it is and of course tag me at tola Uglera. if you have any questions whatsoever send me a mail tola at athlete maestro.com tola at athlete maestro.com i'll catch you guys on the next episode of the show remember knowing is not enough you must apply willing is not enough you must do i want you to go out there learn all you can from the amazing suhey gomez i want you to go out there and i want you to be a maestro today and every single day